Outside the Box. Hello and welcome to December's Outside the Box, which will be full of coughs and sniffles and sneezes and all of the usual stuff that comes with A being poorly, B having to have the central heating on a lot and C it being fucking freezing. Let's hear your best body function noise, Mickey Noonan. My Zoom meeting just asked me if I was playing music, dude. <laughs> oh my word! Set up, set up professional audio. Oh, I'm flattered. Jen offered. I'm not going to do that. We'll hear it all later, no doubt. And I've just realised you're wearing either a hat or a hood. I'm to wearing keep a hood. Warm. It is genuinely freezing uh, in my house, and I have got the heating on. I just think everyone's got the heating on, so it's a bit like trying to cook your Christmas dinner at like one o'clock. Anyway, I thought I might start this month with some coming soon because it's the it's the end of the year, this Christmas and January and all the new schedules coming. And I'm going to start really unusually with ITV. What? I know, Gosh. which I don't know if anybody has noticed. It's online presence has rebranded as ITVX. Have you spotted that, Jen? No. It makes it sound sexy. Or not sexy, sexual. Soft porn, in fact. Really low-key sexy. It's the ITV hub. Which is more like, hey, we're a community group. Yeah, exactly that. Which is what a lot of their telly used to watch like, to be honest. (laughs) So it has launched with a new drama called A Spy Among Friends, which is about Kim Philby. Has has there been enough dramas about Cambridge Spies yet? I don't know. Clearly not. Here's another one. (laughs) It's about Kim Philby. Excitingly, though, he's played by Guy Pearce. Also starring Damien Lewis and Anna Maxwell-Martin. I watched one episode of this when I was trying to wrap my Christmas presents and it's not the sort of thing that you can watch whilst doing something else. I haven't come back to it, but I probably will over Christmas because I like all of those three people. Yeah. I would just like to say that I saw that on the front of the Radio Times and I was absolutely sure that was a BBC drama. So completely surprised to hear that. Maybe ITVX is sexy. Yeah, maybe Maybe it is. Also coming, and it's coming for us tomorrow because we're recording this on Wednesday, but for anyone listening, it will have started last night, is the second big showcase drama that they have, which is called Litvinenko, which is about, anybody want to (laughs) guess? Is it about Litvinenko? It is about the poisoning (laughs) of Litvinenko. David Tennant stars as the Russian. I like David Tennant, but as we many, many times have discussed, I prefer bad David Tennant to good David Tennant so <laughs> mm. this is this is definitely in the good David Tennant and I, I would maybe rather he wasn't I've seen a lot of stuff about how bad his accent is in this I don't know I haven't watched it yet it also stars Mickey Alert, Mark Bonner Ooh, hello and also Neil Maskell both of whom are absolutely great but what I do know about this is that it is done in a kind of whodunit style so it's about the police investigating what happened the Russians was it the Russians (laughs) (laughs) exactly because the most interesting thing about the Litvinenko story is what a balls up it was to get to that situation I would advise Mm -hmm. anyone just in life generally to read A Very Expensive Poison by Luke Harding it is a factual description of what happened to him and how absolutely inept the people sent to kill him were is so bizarre as to almost be funny and ITV have clearly decided not to make it a sort of a black comedy which it almost certainly could be and instead to make it a a whodunit so I'm not that hopeful that that's going to be great but I will watch it because it is a really fascinating story. Hannah, Hannah, do you think it might be Litvinenko? No. 
It's what we pay you for, Mickey. He's um, (laughs) he's buried in a lead coffin in uh, Highgate Cemetery. Yeah, I mean, Palladium is... coffin. Yeah. Quite the fucker. Yeah. Mm. There are a couple of Christmas specials coming up. Obviously, there are loads of Christmas specials. But if we stick with BBC One, which is, for me, more the home of Christmas than I think any other TV channel. Not Channel 5? Surprise. (laughs) Obviously, (laughs) Ghosts. Still not an announcement on what day that's going to be. Yeah, Christmas Day. They tweeted about it. Is it Christmas Day? Well, there you go. It's on on Christmas Day. Do you want to say it and you can have the, it's on Christmas Day? Nope. I I, I like the the behind-the-curtain state of affairs in Outside the Box. Obviously, there'll be a call the midwife, so my mum will be happy. But there is also, and you probably know about this, but just as a reminder, there is an hour-and-a-half-long special, and it apparently will be the last ever, ever, ever detectorists. Hmm. I'm I'm so happy, but so sad, but so happy, but so sad, and, and also whimsical. Yeah. Also, stretching into January, coming up in January, in fact, New Year's Day, I believe, Season three, long, 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 long awaited season three, (laughs) obviously, of Happy Valley. Oh, my (gasps) fucking God. (laughs) There's something else. Oh, oh. There's something else before that uh, on BBC. 18th of December. It's the third series of, and long awaited for me, His Dark Materials. Oh, yeah. I've seen Ruth Wilson and chatting about how she's excited to have a monkey back. Because I started thinking, God, that's been a while. Are the kids too old now? Did they get too old in lockdown and they couldn't like make the third series because they're basically like twenty years old now? Anyway, <laughs> it's fine. They're not. It's coming back. They're still young-ish. Oh, that's good news. Well, talking of, it's been a while. I mean, obviously not as long as series three of Happy Valley. Moving into February, no more specific than February, but February sees the return of Succession. <gasps> Also, the star of The Last of Us, which looks, we talked about before, which looks exciting as fuck. And also, later in the spring, we only have a date that says spring, Masters of the Air, which is kind of part three of the Band of Brothers, The Pacific, and now this trilogy of Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks' World War II trilogy. All sounds quite exciting. On a smaller scale, I don't watch it, but I'm sure people will probably be interested. Series three, maybe? Might be two, might be three. Of Vienna Blood is back just before Christmas on BBC. It's a lot to look forward to, isn't it? Happy Valley and Succession possibly being on at the same time. There has never, ever been such times. Spread it out, I say. Give us something (laughs) else to look forward to. Okay, there's some other stuff that's about that I haven't actually watched, and I don't think any of us have, have watched, so correct me if you have seen it. Rosie Malloy Gives Up Everything on Sky, starring Sheridan Smith and Pauline McLean. There's a chance we might get to speak to one of those about it, so I'm not going to do it here, but that is currently now available on Sky. It is a sitcom, although... Obviously, sitcoms don't mean what they used to mean anymore, which is a good thing about a woman who has problems with all sorts of booze, drugs, legal drugs, illegal drugs, over-the-counter drugs, all of those things, and decides to give everything up. She's played by Sheridan Smith. Paulie McLean plays her mum. Wednesday has started on Netflix, which is a sort of Adam's Family style. No, not style. It is the Adam's Family, but it's sort of a, a reboot, spin-off. isn't it? Yeah. It's Tim Burton, yeah. isn't it? Yes. Tim Burton does The Adams Family. I have not watched that. 
This is what I'm going to be watching over Christmas. The History Channel has put a documentary out about Teddy Roosevelt. Now, I bloody love Teddy Roosevelt. I don't mean as a person, but I mean as a sort of, as a character. I think he's probably one of the most interesting people to ever be president of America. And he is played by, and I can be a lot less equivocating with my full-on love, he is played by, of all people, Rufus Jones. Ah, lovely Rufus Jones. Yes. It is a documentary, but obviously he's playing him in re reconstructions of his life in a yeah, dramatized in the crime in the crime watch bits yeah, yeah in the in the crime watch bits of it the adventure he went on with his son who is called Kermit which I suppose is topical in an attempt to find <laughs> the root of the river of doubt just one of the most amazing stories that exists full stop who calls a child Kermit this is of course pre-Kermit when Kermit meant what it meant I, I, I will not allow there to have been such a time as pre-Kermit <laughs> it's not happening and finally strike is back on BBC. I think this is series four based on the books by Robert Galbraith, who everybody knows is actually JK Rowling. I have watched some of it, but I'm not going to review it here because if you want to know a bit more, listen to my interview with Rusheen, which is this week's chops or last week's chops, depending on when you listen to this. Okay, still shitloads to talk about, but I thought we might start with, because Mickey's only joining us for the first half. Hello. We'll, we'll no doubt have a guest in the second half. Maybe Peggy? Maybe Lyra. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Before I do that, what we do generally do at the end of the year is talk about what our favourite TV programmes were. But we're not going to do that here. Instead, we are going to put out a podcast exclusively for our Patreon subscribers in which we talk about what our favourite TV or album or film, if anyone's managed to go to the cinema this year, uh, what the favourite interview was, what the best podcast we've listened to that isn't us, obviously... And if you'd like to not miss out on that, it will not go out later to the people who don't subscribe. This is exclusively for people who subscribe. You can find that by becoming a member on our Patreon site, which is Patreon forward slash standard issue. Stickinger.com, patreon.com forward slash standard issue. Let's let's keep things old school, Hannah. Yeah. (laughs) W... W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-
that body in the sea is Tanya. And I would like to say that despite that, despite knowing three episodes in that Tanya was going to die, that she was going to be floating in the sea, and despite having that massively confirmed just the minute Tom Holland had turned up, mm-hmm. like you say, I don't think that actually destroyed the tension of it for me at all. I think it was so well directed that mm-hmm. I still had this ongoing tension. I think this whole plot just proves that Jack Donaghy's advice to Liz is the best advice that anybody's ever given in the world, which is never go with a hippie to a second location. And <laughs> that really panned out here, both in Tanya's plot and in Portia's plot, her assistant, I thought, were really well handled. The moment when Portia just turned around and said, can you be straight with me? Have I been kidnapped or what? Yeah, I thought yeah. that Hayley Lou Richardson was absolutely fantastic in this. And I, yeah, like I say, Tanya has gone, but I think she went out like a champ. The other plots didn't necessarily line up so well for me. I mean, Harper and Ethan eventually became the couple they hated, which <laughs> I suppose was depressing. Albie was ripped off. I think we all knew that was going to happen. I think even Albie knew that was going to happen. And I don't know that the mm-hmm. the ending was particularly satisfactory, particularly since F. Murray Abraham was so fucking great in that. I felt like he needed to have been given a bit he more was to great do. The sex workers skipped off happily into a new life together. Yeah, for me it was uneven as an ending, but I thought that the whole Tanya plot was just fantastic. Mickey, I know that you don't strictly agree with me. I think it's brilliant. I think it's so sharply written. I love Mike White's writing. I love how dark the comedy is. It's like blacker than the inside of a cow. It's it's mad dark. <laughs> and yeah, I still lol. And while I'm sad that Jennifer Coolidge's Tanya is, is gone, I too had kind of clocked it was going to happen. And also... He now has a habit of killing off his best character because I'd say in the first series, um, mm. Armand, played by Murray Bartlett, was the best character and he dies. Now, the ending was really interesting because part of me was watching it going with all the gunshots and then the falling off the boat and banging her head and stuff. I was like, oh, this feels feels a bit over dramatic. And then I remembered that Armand had shat in a suitcase and I was like, oh, wait, no, he has <laughs> he has got precedent here. <laughs> He's got precedent here. And it was fine. I felt like it was tied up a little bit too neatly. But, you know, no quibbles really on that plot line, apart from Greg wins. And that really annoys me because that plays into the other thing that kind of annoyed me quite a lot about this series and that I mentioned in last month's Outside the Box. And that is that I don't like the way Mike White writes women or more accurately, I think all his women are... It's so obvious it's written by a man to me. So obvious. The women are either needy and annoying, Tanya, manipulative as fuck, Mia and Lucia, the sex workers, predatory, Valentina, the hotel manager who is incredibly predatory towards her female co-worker, or fucking stupid, which is Portia. And Mm. while I don't think a lot of the men have loads of redeemable qualities, I just find... The way he's written these women, disappointing. When he's full of richness with other stuff and his observations, I find it quite disappointing. And I find his whole sexual politics disappointing. He's so cynical about every single relationship. And that is part of the joy of The White Lotus. It is incredibly cynical. We're watching incredibly overprivileged, entitled pricks get their comeuppance or not get their comeuppance. And yet that little bit of hope 
in me still wanted it to have a bit more depth, I guess. Hmm. That's a fair enough point. I mean, the only woman who was ever really her fully herself in this, whether you liked her or not, was Harper. And Harper eventually became someone else. So, And I think Daphne, I think Megan Fay is, Daphne is incredible. I would say Daphne was probably this series' MVP, to be yes. honest. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Thought, I thought I think she she's was great. She was really busy. I do want to mention something. It's very rare for me to mention fashion. Obviously, I know chuff all about fashion. And I quite enjoyed the fact that Portia appeared to Clearly be dressed like agrees. a lunatic. But <laughs> I just assumed that was fashion nowadays. But it turns out it's not. It turns out she was deliberately dressed like that. And it, it also turns out that Hayley Lee Richardson was allowed to style her herself. She came up with what she wore. And what she decided apparently was that what she basically threw together was lots of micro fashion choices. Mm. So she was following micro trends and then throwing them together as an outfit, whether or not the micro trend worked with the rest of what she had on. All credit to her because, yeah, that that wasn't the team that came up with that. She did that herself. And she looks insane. And she looks (laughs) insane, yeah, but kind of brilliant, yeah. Like the point where she's got like a jumper and shorts and she just looks like she's... And a bikini top. That, she almost looked like a member of staff. But I suppose she was a member of staff to a certain degree, wasn't she? Because she was Tanya's member of staff. Anyway, White Lotus, watch it. Although you know how it ends now. But I would also like to give props to Leo Woodall, who plays Jack, because I think he is so good in this. That bubbling under menace... He's so good with his Essex boy charm. Mm, yeah. Oh, I know it's yeah, really late Bexley. in the day that he had Cowabunga tattooed on his neck. And I think <laughs> if I'd known that, that that's what that said, I think I'd have been a whole lot more suspicious of him a whole lot sooner. Although I was pretty much <laughs> suspicious of him before he arrived. Oh, be all of all of the high-end gays and their oh, party yeah. um, were it, suspicious to me. Oh, these are some high-end gays. Best line. Best line of the series. Yeah, yeah totally. absolutely. And also, I want to say, I think it was a really excellent choice to shoot Tanya shooting face on so we couldn't see what she'd actually achieved until it was over. Because I kept thinking, there's just going to spin round and there's just going to be like a bottle of champagne like this exploded and the rest of them and she's going to have missed them all but she hadn't she obviously hit them all incredible shot yes yeah okay one more thing to mention before we have a break and mickey disappears because goodbye everybody's entitled to an opinion on james corden so here we go i watched mammals which is on amazon i think it is six or eight parts i can't remember now why did i watch mammals which stars james corden who i'm not a huge fan of well Okay, written by Jez Butterworth, who I love, Mm. starring James Corden. I mean, sometimes you really want to see your friend, but you hate their boyfriend. And you have to make (laughs) the decision, don't you, that you're going to go. And I wasn't going to watch it, but I read a number of reviews of people who were just unable to get over the fact that this had James Corden in it. And I thought it was unfair to Jez Butterworth to review his entire series based on who it starred mm-hmm. and obviously James Corden is the central character so perhaps if you do hate him you know it's going to be hard to get over he plays a chef who discovers his much 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 more attractive partner which is part of the plot is having an affair not long after she suffers a miscarriage And it's about the fallout of that. His sister is played by Sally Hawkins, who I'm also a really big fan of, and she's great in this. And 
if you've not seen Butterworth stuff before, it's perhaps worth mentioning that things like fate and faith and old beliefs and, you, you know, karma and myths play a big role in his stuff. And so you might think that was a bit bonkers, but that is just Jez Butterworth. So you either like it or you don't. I do. I will say the first episode in this is really, really good. Largely because it features just a chef's kiss cameo from Tom Jones. Probably the <laughs> best thing jo- Tom Jones has done since he danced with wildlife. With an owl. At the end the of Mars Attacks. Yeah. Uh, it genuinely just like, oh, what an amazing cameo. It's okay. I mean, it's about relationships. So largely I couldn't give a fuck. I personally don't really like James Corden. I don't hate him with the loathing that a lot of people seem to. But he's not really my bag. So if you do really, really hate him, maybe don't watch this. But actually, if you just don't mind him, then there is actually a lot to enjoy in this. Because like I say, just Butterworth is a really, really great writer. I don't know what you two feel about Corden. Would it put you off? I saw the advert for this. Like I saw a trailer for it and I thought it looked like it had a really good cast. And it looked like something I'd be interested in watching. And I, then I saw that James Corden was in it and I thought, I probably won't watch that. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it has put me off as well. But in all fairness, as is clear from this outside the box, I've not been watching very much telly. And that includes, I'm not even watching Buffy. I've just not been watching very much telly at all. So to spaff any of those hours on James Corden, probably not going to happen. Fair dues. I know that a much better thing to spaff them on would be Upright, which I have and you haven't. So you can go and we will talk about that after the break. And then I won't be doing spoilers for you. Apart from when I have to listen to this to check you've not accidentally called anyone a cunt. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I'm going to call Mickey a cunt as soon as she leaves. I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. Just me and the Jen. Hello, me again. So I know you've been watching some stuff. Uh, you, the BBC yep. have got a new drama called Granite City, which is BBC Scotland. You've Granite Harbour, that, I believe. Granite Harbour, sorry. You've watched some of that, haven't you? Yeah, I've watched a bit of it. It's... I don't know how to feel about it. I think me and my mum were sort of looking for something to watch and we saw that it was on, like, weirdly early. What is right. the watershed, Hannah? Is it 9pm? 9 o'clock, but also... 9 o'clock, from yeah. From about half past 8, you can do some things and the closer to 9 o'clock you get the more likely you are. There isn't this direct cut-off that says nine o'clock, you can't say fuck. I think you can say sometimes say fuck at ten to nine or show okay. like a bit of flesh at ten to nine or whatever. But okay. yeah, basically it's nine o'clock. So I think we originally rejected it because it's on at 8pm, which is a weird sort of time, I think, for like a, a, mm. a cop, a crime programme. But what it means, in fact, which is kind of a good thing, I guess, uh, is that you don't have any of the horrible gore and you don't have any of the like naked dead women and, and all of that kind of stuff that one more traditionally kind of associates with mm. with that kind of stuff. So the premise is it's a guy called DC Davis Lindo who is in the military police in Jamaica. He's played by Romario Simpson. And for reasons that I haven't really fully understood because I I think because I'm a bit poorly and my concentration hasn't been fantastic he is in Aberdeen on some sort of like commonwealth related diversity and inclusion related 
fast track into the police or mentorship right, sort, of sort of like a weird kind of like mentorship program right. and he gets put with Lara Bartlett Bart played by Hannah Donaldson who's sort of like his partner slash mentor and uh, another guy who is like the gov who's in charge of the operation and this guy's a prick and I don't understand why <laughs> well, I don't understand how he gets away with uh, behaving the way in which he does towards his colleagues because he's very, very unpleasant. Is that really a true reflection of what it's like in the police force? I don't know. But anyway, so it's kind of like, it's like a crime sort of detective drama slash kind of like fish out of water sort of like comedy-esque but like very kind of gentle. There's not really anything particularly comedic about it but it's like, woo. This man's from the military police in Jamaica. Look at him here in Aberdeen. Things are different, aren't they? Basically, they are investigating the death of a high-profile local businessman who runs some sort of oil company, obviously it being Aberdeen, big into oil around those parts, who've decided to go green. They've started some sort of merger with a Norwegian, like with this sort of sustainable Scandi energy company, and then he dies under mysterious circumstances, and they're trying to find out who done it, basically. So there's I been don't... a murder. There's been a murder, and it's got <laughs> uh, it's got Gary Lewis in it as the brother of the high profile um, chap who's died, who has got like the weirdest Scottish accent I've ever I've ever heard. I think he sounds more like um, I've never heard him sound quite as odd. It... If you've watched Shetland before, which I know you have, some of the people in Shetland have like really sort of, I don't know, it must be something to do with like the higher up you get, maybe you get a bit more Nordic or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they do sound a bit Scandinavian sometimes. It sounds like, sometimes it sounds like English being spoken by someone who English isn't their first language. Yeah. Although I suppose in a lot of those places, originally English possibly wasn't those people's first language. Good point. Some form of Gaelic. So yeah. Good point. I don't, I don't know. He's... I'm probably not Gaelic. Don't be angry with me, Scottish listeners, please. We love you, Scotland. In many ways, you yeah. are the best of us in the UK. So um, don't don't be offended by our ignorance yeah i don't know i'm not like overwhelmed by it like I, will you I, carry on watching it i will probably watch the third one just out of interest but oh, only three right episodes out. i believe there's only three so I'll probably i've watched two of, or i've watched one and most of the second episode and i'll probably out of curiosity watch the last one but it is i do think it has a slightly different vibe being a bit earlier like being broadcast a bit earlier and i'm not sure how i feel about it basically it feels a bit more gentle i know i always say that i like shetland because it is a bit more gentle but it's not like that gentle it what what shetland does really well is it doesn't have all that like horrible gore and blah, blah 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 in it so much but it is quite dark in terms of like the kind of aspect of humanity that it's looking at. Yes. Whereas this feels a bit like, it kind of feels a bit like if Doctors was a detective Oh, right, program. like a daytime detective program. Yeah, yeah. it kind right. of feels a bit like that. So I, I'm not I'm not in love with it, basically. Okay. That was quite right. long-winded, sorry. <laughs> no, that's absolutely fine. I want to talk about Upright, because I can now, because Mickey's not here. Mm-hmm. Season two... Took a while to arrive. I think the original was 2019. So it's three years later in our world, but it's actually four years later in Upright World. I suppose I should explain it for people, but again, in the same way that I did, I said with White Lotus, 
I mean, just start at the start. It's the if you're going to watch it, it's the most sensible place to watch it. Tim Minchin, co-writer and the star, as a in the first series, he's a former um, famous musician who's fallen on hard times because because he's an alcoholic and he has a number of other problems and he is on the way to go and visit his dying mother and he encounters a young girl who's played by Millie Alcock and ends up giving her a lift somewhere and the story unravels from there. One of the things about there being a second series of Upright was I kept thinking, does there need to be? I mean, I want there to be because I like it, but if it's not good, I don't want there to be. And how are they going to force these two characters who live in vastly different worlds, are vastly different ages, you know, live vastly far apart? How are they going to force them together back into a plot and it not feel contrived? And I think the first episode of this kind of suffers from that, suffers from a bit of setup, a bit of how we're going to force these two people back together. Hmm. But actually, as it plays on and more is revealed, it starts to feel more organic as a story that the two of them are together and what happened basically is Millie Alcock, who is now 17 in this, has gone back for some help from Tim Minch's character, who she believes is the only person who genuinely understands and cares about her. I don't want to do too many spoilers because I think, that, yeah, the joy of, of Upright is in the slow reveal. This time, rather than going across to West Australia, they're going north, they're heading up to Queensland on a frantic and disastrous, in many places, road trip. I love it. I love Upright. I think it's funny. It's got some great lines in it. I really enjoy this sort of desperado, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia vibe about it. The end journey is something that they are not turning back from, no matter how hard it is to get there. And I think the fact that Tim Minchin is an alcoholic in it is dealt with with quite a lot of nuance and with quite a lot of understanding of what alcoholism actually is. I think Millie Alcock is the perfect mix of rock hard and incredibly vulnerable. I think she's absolutely fantastic. I think people have woken up to that since uh, she was in the first series of House of the Dragon. But the fundamental thing is it, it comes to this this uneasy relationship that exists between two people who shouldn't be friends. In fact, mm. the fact that they are friends is slightly weird. And it is yeah. is 40-year-old men should not be hanging around with teenage girls. There's something weird about it. But I think Upright is at its very best when it actually tackles that weirdness head on, when they actually deal with the fact that this is an odd relationship that they have and that people don't understand it. There's a bit in which Tim Mitchin's character attempts to send a text message to his girlfriend to try and explain who this is to him, who Millie Alcock's character is to him. And and he can't do it because he can't articulate it in words because he realises that whatever he says can be misinterpreted because 40-year-old men shouldn't be hanging out with 17-year-old girls. I think it's lovely. I think it's brilliant. I think everybody should watch up right. Jen, tell me what else has been on the offered box. Well, Hannah, I'm not sure how you're going to feel about this, but I watched an episode of Harry and Meghan the Netflix documentary series about Harry and Meghan, which you will have to have been like living in a cave to have not known was happening because it was literally... A cave without Wi-Fi, certainly. ...the top rolling news story. On the BBC News website, it was the top rolling news story. For an entire day, they did like a watch-along live blog of this 
documentary series, which I think it dropped three episodes and then I think it might have dropped another three this week. I don't really know. I tried not to pay too much attention to it, to be honest, but I just thought, well, we've got an outside the box coming up. There may be some talking points here. I know it's not your bag at all, Hannah. Turns out, I don't think that surprisingly, it's not my bag either. It's oh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's kind of been billed as this like tell all, blah blah blah, whatever. And it's kind, of, it's a bit like um, something we were chatting about earlier. One feels as a sort of left-wing progressive person that one should automatically side with Harry and Meghan because undeniably she has been subject to some absolutely heinous abuse from members of the public and Mm. undeniably he has suffered enormously in his life through the death of his mum, for example, when he was a, a young boy and undeniably been treated like shit by the press. So I, you know, up to a point, I have a lot of sympathy for them. Uh, I don't think either of them should have been treated the way they have been treated by the press. I don't think she should be racially abused. I don't think he should, to a certain extent... You know, I I would not want to be in the royal family. I can understand why that is not a nice experience for for lots of people in that situation who can't for what you know can't can't make the best of it don't want to be there fine right off you pop to california you do you right yeah jen that is literally when they first announced it that was Mm. literally certainly what i said i wouldn't like to speak for you and jen uh for you and mick but what i actually said was that i would hope that his move to leave the royal family would eventually lead to them all leaving the royal family and us not having to bother with the admin of a revolution. So, I'm not against the royal family, as you know. I'm kind of, like, not really for or against them. I'm fairly ambivalent towards them. I don't dislike them. I don't dislike the institution. I just, you know, whatevs. So, what I feel about this is... With all of the things that I've mentioned, with the caveat of that, okay, you don't want to be part of, like, you don't want to be part of this industry anymore, then fuck off. Like, just go away. Stop making documentaries about it. Stop making explosive tell-all whatever. I don't care. I don't, from what I can tell, they've not said anything particularly revelatory He's chatted a lot about how upset he was that his mum died, which is fair enough, very much as you would expect. Mm. There's a lot of stuff about how they got together, which is tedious. <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I don't think it reflects terribly well on either of them. I can't imagine who cares about the early courtship between them. I'm with you 100% on this. If I was taken into room 101 and my eyes were like, pinned open and they mm. put a film on this is what they would put on like absolutely one oh you would hate it it, it looks like hell it. on earth for me yeah. i have no intention of ever watching it i'm not going to say anything about the contents of it because i haven't watched it but all i can say is i think the national conversation for the last two weeks about it has been embarrassing is probably yes. the only word i can use actually yeah. embar- i'm embarrassed that some people are so shameless as to put the things they put about him and her on Twitter, the racist things they put on her. I'm embarrassed for them. 
But I'm also embarrassed for the people who, for some reason, have convinced themselves that this is important when essentially yeah. it's a sub-Kardashian-level soap opera that's playing out. And I know that yeah. the royal family has always been a soap opera, or certainly to America. I think this is certainly pushed towards the American market. I think it's not for British people. I think no. it's for Americans. But I'm I'm embarrassed by the things that people are saying because you'd think that Harry was Jesus Christ come again in the way that people speak about him. And I just think if the expression get down off the cross because we need the word has ever meant anything, it means it now about this conversation. We are in a terrible, terrible, terrible state as a nation. And the fact that we are investing this much conversation in some of the richest people on earth fucks me off to a level that I I just can't, I cannot engage. I actually came off Twitter for about a week because it depressed the shit out of me. That sensible, clever people I know are allowing themselves to get wrapped up in this when there are so many more things to talk about. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if there were members of the royal family that were racist because there are members of every family that are racist. It, It wouldn't surprise me. But on the other side... For the love of God, how much do we have to keep rehashing this shit over and over and over again? And if one more person thinks that they're the first person to tweet, but what about Prince Andrew? I think I might just throw all of my technical equipment into a hole, bury it and go and live in a cave somewhere. Because the thing is, and again, this has like become one of the most overused statements of modern times, but like two things can be true. Like, two things, more than one thing can be true at the same time. So, like, it's... it's it, Prince Andrew is absolutely nothing to do with this story, as far as I'm concerned. I, the only things I would say about it are... I mean... See, this is nothing to do with the Queen. It's nothing to do with the death of the Queen. And I would like to think that our regular listeners know that I am not, you know, part of the Henry Bolton Brigade or whatever. But I think it's really undignified... I think it's really undignified. If I had like beef with my brother, mm-hmm. I would not come on this podcast to talk about it. Do you know what I mean? No, that's and, what, and that's like what? slagging off our siblings. <laughs> Actually, none of us, all of us, love our siblings. None of us. I know, do it. but that would be for the bit before or after we record, right? Exactly. Or when we're exactly. In the it's just like it would not be. It just would not be what I would do. I think it's really undignified. I think like. I don't see what's to be gained by it apart from like a fucking shitload of cash. And the other thing I would say is that I completely understand their issues with press intrusion, which is why I have to ask myself why they want to continually put themselves in the limelight. If if you hate it that much, get out of it. And I know the argument is, oh, they wouldn't pay for my security. I think it is very, I think it's a very difficult conversation to have I hate the use of woke as an insult, so I'd sort of try and step back from that because it's meant to mean something different to the way it's been like appropriated. But I think mm. the argument that they are this like massively kind of like left-wing force for good, blah, 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 blah. Oh, but we want our money! Like, it doesn't work, does it? Like, they, that yeah. it, that is an uncomfortable kind of... Those two things don't really yeah. click. From yeah, my perspective, agreed. so yeah. Agreed. Sorry if I sound like Piers Morgan. Um, no, I, I was I was very very happy for them to get mm. what they wanted, which was to not have to be part of the royal family. 
Off your pop then. Go Off on. your pop then. Job done. Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks for thanks. I mean, because yes, he 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 fought in the army. He lost his mother. There are lots of things that you could say positive about him. On the other hand, it really grates on me when I hear him using words like privilege because I just think that privilege isn't a word that he understands the concept of, so he shouldn't use it. How could he? You know, like in, in all fairness, Tim, how could he? That's I think, yeah, it would be impossible to come from the level of privilege that he is from and fully understand that privilege I think I yeah. think that would be impossible I genuinely do I don't I don't say that as a like slur on him but come on just a bit of self-awareness yeah. would be nice and I would say also that from the people who are like just having the worst or the best or whatever time of their life on Twitter either tweeting stuff that is just horribly horribly racist or horribly misogynist which mm. is obviously we shouldn't have to say it but unfortunately with the current state of the world you have to say it otherwise people think you, that you don't mean it but you didn't say you weren't racist so here you go we're not racism racism yeah. is terrible mm. end of conversation as for the other stuff the romance all of that you know it me goes. could not give a fuck could not give a fuck it's too it's too much yeah it's really salacious correct it's it's possible that that there there are no villains and no heroes in this story it's possible that everyone might just be as bad as each other i don't know let's consider that possibility but people joining the conversation without knowing what they're talking about prime example of this uh, one of the, I can't remember what her name is, but she's one of the editors of the Guardian Opinion section, tweeted the other day, the one question I'd like anyone to put to Harry is whether or not he's now a Republican, right? She's lowercase mm. r for Republican. So pretty clear what she meant by the word Republican. And she was absolutely just slammed with replies saying daft nonsense, like, well, I'm pretty sure he votes Democrat. Like, if you don't understand what republicanism is in a British context, get out of this conversation. Literally get out of it. You don't know what you're talking about. It's so American-centric that they that the word republicanism just means the GOP to them. They do not understand that republicanism here means we want to be a republic. Yeah, it's like, we want our sovereignty back. What does sovereignty mean? Oh, none of us know. (laughs) We've had to have a high court case about it because no one fucking knows. Oh, well. Yeah. (sighs) Okay, two more documentaries, which are way less controversial. Um, (laughs) That I wanted to mention. The wonderful Lucy Worsley uh, has done a three-part documentary on Agatha Christie. It's called Agatha Christie. Lucy Worsley on The Mystery Queen. And it's not so much about her work as it is about her life, which makes it different to a lot of conversations about Agatha Christie. It certainly does mention her work, but it tends to use, you know, stories about her life that you can actually see reflected in her work. It actually focuses quite a lot on stuff that she wrote under a pseudonym in which actually, you know, probably is as close to the real Agatha Christie as you as you will find because she got to write, write about, you know, her life. And her feelings on, on marriage and things like that. It's rare that I disagree with Lucy Wars. I disagree with her conclusion on how Marple and Agatha Christie are essentially the same person. I understand why she came to that conclusion. But given that Agatha Christie 
and Lucy Worsley are both married women and I and Miss Marple are both spinsters. I think that I am right and Lucy Worsley is wrong. But that's what's great about TV is you can disagree. So that is great. It's all been on TV. You'll find it on the iPlayer now. The second thing is something I watched on Disney Plus, which is called God Forbid, which is a great name. Mm. And it is about the sex scandal that ultimately brought down Jerry Falwell Jr. and his evangelism empire. I don't know if you or indeed anyone listening knows who Jerry Falwell Jr. is. Maybe unsurprisingly, he's the son of Jerry Falwell Sr., who was a very, very famous TV evangelist who was quite closely tied up with... If you've seen The Eyes of Tammy Faye, I don't know if you saw that this year, which is about Tammy Faye Baker, who was married to Jim Baker, who's another TV evangelist. And Jerry Falwell basically was sort of involved in the fall of him and then took over his business and all of that. It's all the kind of selling people shit on TV nonsense that you get but how their rather unconventional sex life for people who told other people how to live eventually brought them down and although it's gossipy there is a certain satisfaction in watching people be hoist by their own petard and there is some interesting stuff to be said about links to politics and obviously right-wing politics Mm -hmm. I'd like to see more of that and a bit less of stories about what they were actually up to in the bedroom but it's about an hour and a half long and it's a pretty good and interesting enough documentary if you're interested in, you know, how people fall from grace. I think it covers it really quite well. Jen, any more that you've seen? Any more dirty nonsense you're bringing? Well, I started watching The Patient on Disney+. Plus. Oh, okay, yeah, got you. I fell asleep, I'm afraid. Uh, it's got Steve Carell and I have to remember how to say his name. Dommel. Dommel. Him. Gleason. Your man, Brendan's son, and one uh, of your man, Brendan's son. Yes, there's, there's there is few. another one whose name that I always get wrong. Brian, Brian. I Wikipedia it yesterday, Hannah. Um, <laughs> Brian, please <laughs> don't say I come ill prepared to these things. So it basically the premise is Gleason is a serial killer who is using the services of a uh, sort of psychotherapist played by Steve Carell. And then he kind of, like, takes him prisoner. As in, Gleason takes Carell prisoner. And that's really as far as I got in the first episode in which I fell asleep in. Um, There's a bit where he wakes up to discover that he is being kept prisoner. And then you come to learn who who he is and sort of how, how he ended up there. When he discovers where he is... And he starts, you know, obviously kind of screaming. I think Steve Carell is really good in serious stuff as well. Steve Carell's a fantastic actor. He is. Obviously, he's brilliant. Really good at comedy, but also, like, The Foxcatcher, isn't it, is the Mm. one, is the film he was in. I thought that was, like, amazing. I think he's brilliant in Little Miss Sunshine, which is obviously sort of a comedy, but also pretty dark, especially his character. He's in a really great thing by Jim, I'm sure it's Jim Rash, which is called The Way Way Back, in which he plays um, the sort of the lead character's stepdad, who is a monstrous prick. It is a comedy, but he mm. it, his role is not comedy. His role is to just be a, just a really horribly, slyly abusive prick, and he's fantastic in it. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I think he's great. I really like him, which is part of the appeal in watching it. But there's a bit where he discovers that he's like sort of shackled in this room. He's got like this chain around his ankle. 
and which so he can only get so far in the room and he starts sort of like kind of shouting and there is something quite weirdly comedic about it I have to say I don't think it's meant to be that's as much as I have to tell you about the patient because shortly thereafter I fell asleep but um which which isn't a great advertisement for it admittedly but I am a bit poorly at the moment so that might have been why but I think you know good cast I have read some good reviews of it actually as well so it, it's definitely on the list of things that I will get to eventually. What I'll say is half hour episodes, which is weird. Mm. I don't yeah. know how I feel about that. I'm so not used to it because even Coronation Street doesn't do half hour episodes anymore. It's like it's always an hour. I, I'm really not used to a half hour episode and it doesn't feel like long enough to, to kind of get into something. And I wonder why they've done it that way. But um, although having said that, I now think that maybe Ted Lasso was half hour episodes. That's primarily a comedy, though. Comedy is generally... Yeah, for drama, I don't... It doesn't really... I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about it. But let's see. I'll watch it again and hopefully not fall asleep and and, and then I'll be able to give a better answer next time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, that's it. That's us for 2020... What year are we? 2022. Yeah. And like I say, if you want to hear what we've made of the best things of telly and popular culture and that... Join our Patreon. Do you want to say it again, Hannah? www. <laughs> Outside the box.